0: Hey, hey, where you been? Buck I talk is about
1: to begin. Hey, 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 come on in
2: talk we're off the bus back watching football Douglas marie Nathan Baird, Stephen means with your friday pod and on thursday woo, it was awesome i said sitting and watching a football practice i like it for two reasons one you're gathering information that's kind of what we're supposed to do in our job and two you're watching football so nathan we got to see the entire practice on thursday thanks to the big 10 network because the big 10 network does its traveling road show, Dave Revson, Howard Griffith, Jerry DiNardo, former Ohio State linebacker Joshua Perry. They make the rounds. They, someone noticed that they used to have like a big BTN bus. I don't know. if. They, speaking of buses, maybe I don't. We, people that maybe didn't see the bus. Maybe we could buy their old bus from them if they're not using it anymore and paint Buckeye talk on it for the thing we were talking about before. But anyway, they go around, they've been to Nebraska, Northwestern. They were at Maryland the other day. I think they were at Penn State. And so when they come to town, they watch the whole practice. And it's sort of like, well, if they get to watch the whole practice, maybe we should get to watch the whole practice. And Ohio State said, yes, that makes sense. So thanks to Jerry Emig and thanks to Ryan Day for making that happen. It did. It was like a truncated practice, Nathan, that I don't think they want as many periods as they normally do. But compared to the first two practices of, the, of the, the preseason that we saw, we saw 11 on 11s. We saw seven on sevens. We saw individual drills where you got an even better sense of how guys might be working out in the depth chart. But the best place to see depth chart stuff is when they put a full unit on the field. And it's like, oh. Well, there's Denzel Burke and there's Steel Chambers and there's Ronnie Hickman. So this is clearly the first team defense. So now let's see who else is out there and we can draw some conclusions. Nathan, wasn't it great?
0: It was fantastic. And it was a progression of fantasticness because it was um, there was one formation where it was just like half field. And then there was the next thing was like the uh, the inside drill. So you're getting everything basic except what like corners and receivers at that point. And then it was like seven on seven. And then it was 11 on 11. You were just like slowly building towards putting together that picture uh, that we've had in our head this whole time and really matching it up with what we're seeing right in front of us with our eyes for an extended period of time.
2: And I will say, Stephen, I am mostly watching who I am not doing as much how they looked because it's such a brief thing. You don't know if, if a guy is a little bit tired that day or he just is having a, a, a great, he's having his best practice of the preseason or his worst practice of the preseason. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's just cause I am bad at my job. I, I try not to overdo it with how guys look Do you. Like what do you try to do when you're watching to get a sense of, Oh man, like, Am, am I learning about how good the players look or is it just too hard to do in like a 90 minute practice that we only see once?
1: It depends on who it is and what position they play. Uh, it's hard with the the offensive and defensive line guys because they can't finish off things as much just because you know, we live in a world where they're trying, to, they're trying to minimize contact as much as possible for a lot of these. But then also – If a defensive end needs to beat the offensive tackle, he can't go finish off to play with a sack. So you don't know if he can actually get home or not. So you can't test that stuff. But when they go seven on seven and 11 on 11, and it's a chance to see a wide receiver go one-on-one against a corner, I think that's the one place where you can you know, go that route of like, okay, who's flashing and who's not, because especially at Ohio state where they pride themselves on press man coverage. If you can't do that, you probably can't play here. At least that's in theory. And then the way this wide receiver room is set up, you should be able to do something. So if, if, if somebody texted us and said, um, or tweeted at us and made a drinking game by the fact that every time we say four star, five star top 100 recruits. So I just said all three of those things, if you're that pedigree, and we're there for ninety minutes. I want to see you do something that makes me validate that pedigree.
2: Yeah, I also don't want to like read too much into the fact if I saw maybe one guy drop a couple balls on Thursday, yeah. and I saw somebody else not drop a couple balls. I don't know. So, but I do think the the who's first team, who's second team, are there maybe some packages where we think guys are moving in and out. That's what we're going to do the most of. We just we I think we got a pretty good sense of first team, second team, third team, things can change, but you know, it's one of those things, Nathan, they're, they're not putting guys out there on the third team that they think are going to start against Notre Dame. Now, if a guy makes a move in the next two weeks, maybe he will, but you know, they, they put guys out there in groupings for a reason. So we're going to try to do sort of a rapid fire through the position groups and hit all the groups, talk about who was out there. If we want to talk about how we thought they looked. And then we did get Ryan day for about half an hour afterwards. And we, you know, we got a, smattering of this guy, that guy, this guy, that guy, you know, you try to maybe get some specific knowledge about specific guys. It's hard to do, but you know, we're also, this is, we're in pads now. They're not, we didn't see them tackle. They did young guys at the end called like the young guy period. I volunteered to leave and not watch because I'm not young. I feel like maybe I shouldn't be watching. Only young reporters should watch, but they said I could stay. They were they were hitting a little bit. Nah, I think like Dallin Hayden ran somebody over in that drill, but it, was, but it was sort of like, oh, because you're not doing that. They're not they're not like tackling to the ground in, in stuff right now when they're going 11 on 11. So let's start with the corners. Nathan, we'll do defense first and we will acknowledge that our eyeballs are on Jordan Hancock. He was In a uniform, he was in a helmet, but he was not a practice participant. People are wondering about Jordan Hancock. What
0: did we see? You saw exactly that. He was out there at the start, and then he went away for a while, and I saw him trotting back out when they were doing the huddle with Ryan Day to break the end of practice. The rest of the time, he's inside the woody doing sort of that side work that guys who are unable to practice will do. And uh, not a surprise based on what we had seen and heard earlier this week, but also probably certainly not the worst-case scenario for Ohio State, that he's still around, he's still upright, It's just a matter of getting him through whatever is ailing him right now. The bigger issue, though, is just the the extension of the problems that are going on in that room. They only had three scholarship cornerbacks who were full participants today, and that was J.K. Johnson, Denzel Burke, obviously, number one on that list, but then J.K. Johnson and Jair Brown, Brown, who is a true freshman. Um, Another true freshman, um, Ryan Turner was not a real participant today. And Cam Brown is on what, to mix metaphors, we call a pitch count. He's not full participant right now. They're they're kind of limiting his reps just because he's a guy who has had uh, trouble staying on the field consistently. So uh, it, that's where you're getting uh, some of the other people that we were seeing step up. Some of them was uh, the the guys that Jim Knowles talked about yesterday, whether it was Cam Martinez getting some outside time, whether it was whether Jansen Dunn was with the corners for one, Group, but I didn't actually see him doing any corner stuff in any of the team drills. Um, so I don't know if he's a full participant right now. Even you're um, well, getting was, a lot of walk-ons.
2: Safeties. I think he was with the safeties the rest of the time. Then
0: he know? was mixing. Yeah. So, um, but but Cam Martinez was working outside corner in some drills. So that part of what Noel said did come true. And then you're getting a lot of like walk-ons and and Jake Seibert and stuff that were f- filling in uh, up to up to at the twos level at cornerback right now,
2: not ideal. Yeah, Lloyd McFarquhar, our guy from Cleveland, uh, made a pick with the twos, right? That's that's where they are, that there's a walk-on, a veteran walk-on playing with the twos. Um, Cam Martinez, when they were doing like 7-on-7 7 7 or 11-on-11, 11 11, was at nickel safety. He wasn't outside corner stuff. So we had talked about Jim Knowles saying Cam Martinez, Jansen Dunn, cross-training to give him a little more depth at corner. But right now when they came out for an 11 on 11 it was Denzel Burke and Cam Brown at the outside corners to start and then after a couple of plays JK Johnson came in for Cam Brown and i think that's you know sort of what we're talking about that you're if we're thinking about a rotation there again that we thought Jordan Hancock probably is the number 3 guy but whatever Steven it's like they're they're trying to get guys through we understand why they're being careful with Cam Brown but it was a reminder that they're okay right now they can get thin pretty darn quick with like one more thing and then we also saw jk johnson pick off cj stroud which we kind of all were sort of talking about i wonder what happened there because it sort of felt like cj stroud hit him right in the chest with the pass and you wouldn't expect that steven but good good moment for jk johnson right who at the moment is their number three corner
1: the number three corner picked up their Heisman Trophy finalist quarterback. And that's the way you can take that if you want to be optimistic, but you can also just be honest and say the quarterbacks did not have a good day today. Yeah. We'll get to them. We'll get to them. We'll get to them. Yeah. Yeah. That
2: was, if, if you didn't know, it's like, I, yeah, we were joking. We were joking. When you get a bunch of football writers around and you have them stand in the bleachers, they're just going to make smart aleck comments, but we were joking (laughs) that maybe Tim Walton, uh as the corners coach was like hey cj you know jk johnson he's a young guy working in he could use a little boost how about you hit him in the chest with the pass and give him a pick and it was like okay coach i got you i'll give you one of these because it just i mean but listen but jk johnson didn't drop it when the quarterback hit him in the chest he caught it and his team celebrated so we're not we're not like but it was just funny because it's like oh my gosh this guy's like two two and a half to one to win the heisman and that 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 like suction cup to the corner's gut because he hit him in the between the numbers. So um Nathan, it's not again what are what we saw today, Nathan, is what we were thinking about before. They're they're okay. They're okay. Their ones are okay, but they're on the edge. But the other thing is, and I think it was Dave Biddle, I can't remember how the person asked it, but Ryan Day will not talk specifically about injuries Mm -hmm. But the person said are there any long-term injuries in the cornerback room and he said no right which was like well that is a jordan hancock answer that is very valuable jordan hancock information and if it's a soft tissue injury that he's limping around for a couple days and missing practice but he's good to go on september 3rd nathan that is very valuable info so whoever i think it was dave whoever asked it well crafted well crafted to get information there
0: I also think just from what we saw today, if they'd had to play Notre Dame today, I don't think they would have had Jordan Hancock, but they would have had both of their presumptive starters. I think Cam Brown would have been able to play and then J.K. Johnson mixing in there as the third guy. So that's not a catastrophe. It's not ideal, but you want Hancock in there because you think he has is probably from what we've heard and, and seen a little bit would be the next guy up there. The third guy. But not it's still, as you pointed out the other day, that's still better than opening day a year ago.
2: Yeah. Okay. let's go to the safeties, Stephen. Josh Proctor, Ronnie Hickman, locking it down on the back end. But we saw some moving parts at other places. I think we're curious about who are the twos, who are the threes, that kind of thing. It's an interesting group. What did we learn?
1: So I think it's pretty safe to say Josh Proctor and Ronnie Hickman are the starting deep safeties, while that third safety position seems to be like who we plan. And what can that guy give us, whether it's the traditional nickel safety that will be just a base with uh, Tanner McAllister and Cam Martinez as his backup. Or, you know, if you're preparing for Notre Dame and you need to cover Michael Mayer, it seems like from what we saw. But then also the way Jim Knowles was talking, there's an opportunity there for Court Williams and or Lathan Ransom to be that starting, say third safety, or at least play the majority of the snaps in that game because you do need a bigger body who can cover a guy like that.
2: So it's what Knowles talked about we saw in action. When it's a three-receiver alignment and it's the nickel safety that Knowles has in mind, I would say more often than not with the ones it was Tanner McAllister, but sometimes it was Cam Martinez. I think the very Mm -hmm. first time they came Mm -hmm. out, it was Cam Martinez. But then the first time they did 11-on-11, it was Tanner McAllister. So that's, we would think right now, Tanner McAllister's the starter, but Cam Martinez is interesting and involved. And then again, if you have that other look where instead of a third linebacker, it's still a third safety, but it's a different type of player than a nickel coverage safety. That's where Court Williams and Lathan Ransom come into the picture, and then also Court Williams and Lathan Ransom are the twos behind Proctor and Hickman in the other deep safety stuff. So Ransom and and Williams are just moving around, and it feels like maybe they have skill sets that fit against certain opponents and they want to give them opportunities to get on the field, which again, Nathan is matching what we're hearing from people. And then also Kai Stokes is with the threes and people like to watch Kai Stokes. <laughs> like, like Kai Stokes is just, he's, he, he gets people. Stephen means has been on the Kai Stokes bandwagon. He just, he gets people excited when he's on the
0: field. He's fun to watch. Yeah. It's just those two guys. I was looking at the roster cause I'm writing about this a little bit for tomorrow. And like, Core Williams is listed as a safety, just as all these guys are. But Core Williams has like thirty pounds on Tanner McAllister; like he's a different athlete. He's a different kind of athlete altogether. And even Ransom has like fifteen pounds on him. So that is, I think, a really interesting fit when you're when you're progressing or preparing for that opening night matchup, especially, and and what's waiting for them in Michael Meyer. Like the idea that they may have to put one of those two bodies, and I think one of the kind of intriguing competitions that's going to happen within the competition is like, well, then which of those two guys is actually the better matchup. That'll be something that I think to watch going into that game.
2: And then when we did the podcast the other day, projecting like the 2024 lineup, um, they've missed on some safeties lately, but Steven, sometimes you look out there and you think, okay, well, the safeties in a couple of years are going to be Sonny styles and Kai Stokes. That seems fine. Great. Like what, what that's, That's potentially very, very good. And they were like running together with the three sometimes.
1: They almost have too much depth right now. (laughs) And it feels like they're going to trade off that depth for guys with like superstar potential, at least from, you know, what Kai Stokes' career started off with, and even Sonny Styles' career at this point between what Jim Knowles and Ryan Day have said about him. So, yeah. Would you like to have Caleb Downs and uh, Xavier Wampa and Zion Branch? Yes. But... OK,
2: you're, they're they're OK. And it's, again, I don't know that you're going to keep Sonny Styles and Kai Stokes off the field in 2023. But also if it's like, well, you know, it's Hickman and Proctor in 2022 and it's Ransom and Court Williams in 2023. And in 2024, it's Kai Stokes and Sonny Styles. Again, I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Sonny Styles is a five star by year two. He might be shoving people out of the way. And Kai Stokes looks like a guy who who like he gets on campus and the minute he hears like, well, he's better than his ranking. Like that could be true also, but great. Awesome. Okay. Again, let's play the too good, too many good safeties game, but the, the safeties look good. And again, Nathan, if we, if we had not talked to Jim Knowles before we saw this practice, and then they put out a look on Thursday where court Williams was standing next to steel chambers and Tommy Eichenberg, like in the box, and, and i would have like run on the field and hugged him while it was happening so but we well, knew what we were we knew it was happening now but
0: it's like yes yeah.
2: that's the thing he said
0: but but again i mean it is what what they more or less did in the Rose Bowl for part of the time against utah i mean it's right. it's something before, they've had before in their back jim, pocket, yeah. but before Jim Knowles was here like True. i don't I, yep.
2: from from a court williams standpoint that showed us we think he can do that we didn't know if jim Knowles would ask him to do that and so right. that's that, That's the confirmation there. So right. safety, but safety, like, good to go. Safety, good to go. No, no worries. They're fine. I don't know that anyone's concerned. Agreed. Linebacker, you- as we said, again, con- confirming. It's a thing that's firm, and then you con it. And now it's confirmed. Steel Chambers, Tommy Eichenberg, Jim Knowles said it. They're solidifying the linebackers. And if you look, if anybody's out there for the ones in any setting, it's Tommy yeah. Eichenberg and Steel Chambers. And I I mean, I, I don't know that I saw anybody take first team reps away from them in any setting.
0: I was looking back through mine and I, 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 I started to, I think I wrote somewhere that it was like virtually everyone, but I think it was literally everyone I'm looking back through. It's 2235 in the middle every single time.
2: And then I would say more often than not, the second team middle linebacker was Taraja Mitchell and the third team middle linebacker was Cody Simon. From my eyeballs, yep. not yep. every time, yep. but I would say more often than not. Again, that may be somewhat reflective of Cody Simon had shoulder surgery in the offseason and maybe it's pitch count. Maybe it's easing back in. It's a reminder that Taraja Mitchell has has been around and seen a lot of football here. Steven, I don't know that that makes me think that, oh, well, now Taraji Mitchell is the second team, Mike Linebacker, and Cody Simon's third. But it's what was happening today and um, a reminder that I think that linebacker room is still malleable to some point behind Chambers and Eichenberg.
1: Cody Simon's better than Taraja Mitchell, and last year proved that. But I think if I remember correctly, Jim Knowles talked about yesterday how, like, Cody Simon is still – I'm sorry, Tuesday, how Cody Simon is still learning – He's still trying to, you know, figure stuff out there. So that might just be part of this. Is Taraja Mitchell might be very good at picking things up and like putting it onto the field, even if when Cody Simon picks it up finally and puts it on the field, it looks better. So that's you know, he's going with if, if you're a new assistant coach, you're probably going with guys you trust first. And if Cody Simon is still, you know, working his way back from a shoulder surgery while also trying to, to learn the defense because he didn't get to participate in it in the spring, that would explain why he's 13. But I wouldn't suspect that that would be the case by the time they start playing football.
2: Everybody's fired up about C.J. Hicks. I, it did seem, again, more often than not, the number two will linebacker right now is Chip Trainum, and C.J.'s maybe a little more with the threes, not that C.J.'s not with the twos every now and then. It's one of those things, again, we're not, you know, it's one play in one practice of a whole preseason of a whole spring practice. But you know, they're, they're running some of these inside drills where, okay, here comes Evan Pryor who we'll get to, here's a hole. We're seeing it like from the behind the end zone. Right. And you, I was just watching it. It was like, here's Evan Pryor getting the hole. And there's Chip Tranum sliding, getting off attack, off a block, boom. And Chip Tranum's in the hole. And there are just moments where it's like, oh, that look, that looks pretty good to me. I asked, Ryan Day about Chip Traynham. I basically referenced the fact that in a survey of the linebackers that I did, most of them said he was the fastest. Some of them said he was the strongest linebacker in the room. That seems like a pretty good place to start. Nathan, I think there's a lot of talk about like Steel Chambers. Hey, he made this transition last year, but Ryan Day even said it. Steel Chambers made a transition from running back to linebacker last year and then wound up being basically their best linebacker by the end of the year. But he said we were a little light there. He he said out loud, like not to dismiss Steel Chambers at all, giving Steel Chambers a ton of credit, but we needed somebody to play. And they're not quite at that point right now because he was talking about just like Steel Chambers has been around now. Tommy Eichenberg has some starts under his belt. So then the ch- train on path, it's such a similar path that if it wasn't for Steel Chambers, we'd be sitting here saying, hey, when's the last time there was an Ohio State linebacker who made a transition from running back? And like the answer is like last year, but like before that, who knows? But there are more established linebackers. It didn't feel, Ryan Day, it seemed to me, was saying like, there's a lot there, but he's learning. And maybe it's not going to happen on the field this year because we're not as light there and he's playing a new position.
0: You know, in some ways, Tranum's in a better position than Chambers was a year ago because Chambers was not a full-time linebacker last spring. It was something he was kind of flirting with and it mm-hmm. really didn't become a thing until yeah. the summer and into the preseason so and and then on top of that he's like apparently this physical specimen well i know he is we've seen him so he, he, it's legit we we can confirm it um so it, it's it's interesting that last year's team so many of the best defensive things to come out of that season are sort of like What's the word? It's like there's there's a there are qualifiers on it. It's like you know, St- Steel Chambers had a great year for a guy who was really mostly a running back until a month before the year, and uh, Denzel Burke had a great freshman season for a true freshman who had to start on opening night, and JT Maloa was really good for a guy who wasn't even here until July. Like those sorts of things. Like you didn't, th- there wasn't just like a many very many great yeah. defensive seasons of their own right. They all have these qualifiers on them. That's maybe. Ohio State has to shake those qualifiers on defense in order to have the kind of defense they want this year. I think they're they will. I don't think there are just as many of those qualifiers that look like they're popping up right now. But that that's got to be something they put in the past. And th- these guys have to just kind of stand on their own two feet as not just good under the circumstances, good based against you know the rest of the Big Ten.
2: Yeah, Chase Young had a good season for a human. Denzel <laughs> Ward had a good season for anybody who's ever played cornerback in the history of the world. Like there's no, there's no qualifiers.
0: (laughs) Like, 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 no, like they're just good. Or when you have the qualifiers, it needs to be really impressive. Like Chase Young had 10 and a half sacks this year and both of his ankles were sprained like that kind of thing. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. So Marshawn Lattimore.
2: Right. Needed 10 hamstring transplants and is the best cornerback in the country. Right. So. We we knew that. So, again, the confirming steel chambers first up at will chip train second up at will C.J. Hicks in the mix. Right. It's not like C.J. Hicks is just a third stringer. He's more than that. He's around. He's a true freshman. He's around. He had a pick. Didn't he have a pick
0: in the the young group? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like
2: just some stuff like you can see it. Everybody's watching him coming around a little bit. And then we would say Tommy Eichenberg, the starter at Mike linebacker, seemed like Taraja Mitchell was second up, Cody Simon third up there. When they also sort of did at one point have a three linebacker look, it was Tommy Eichenberg, Steel Chambers and Taraja Mitchell that Taraja Mitchell might right now be, you know, the second slash third stringer at middle linebacker and also the starter at Sam linebacker if they use that. But again, maybe they're not going to use that that much. So, Steven, anything about, else about the linebackers that we haven't covered or that we need to talk about? Again, there's there's basically the nine scholarship guys kind of in the mix here, and most of what we saw fit what we've been hearing.
1: Yeah, that's pretty on brand. I wonder okay. when the <laughs> when's the next time a top one hundred linebacker here is actually gonna play in year two? Because actually, like
2: in play in year two? What do you mean?
1: Yeah, CJ Hicks. I mean, because right, but they've had like plenty of top one hundred recruits at linebacker over the last couple of years here. Cody Simon's like the only one who in any way was in you know on path to have a role in year two. Like we didn't need to read Carrico's name at all.
2: Yeah. They've had some bumps at linebacker. They've had some they've had some bumps at linebacker. They they maybe Jim Knowles will lock this down and, and get this room rolling again. There's just there's been some hiccups here um, since Luke Fickle left. Honestly. Yeah. Bill Davis wasn't good enough and I think Al Washington is more a defensive line coach maybe than a linebacker's Mm -hmm. coach which is which is fine I'm not saying Al Washington did a bad job but maybe guys didn't quite pop the way you might expect but also the talent level in that room in in part I mean mostly because of the recruiting of Bill Davis and, Mm -hmm. and Al Washington the talent level in that room is not what it has been I mean it's like it's not, you don't just develop a Ryan Chazier. You have to get a Ryan Chazier on campus so you can develop him. And, but guess what? They have CJ Hicks. So I I, I do think that'll happen. Uh, all right, let's go to the defensive ends, Steven. We sort of were just saying like, it's almost, they just have three starters at defensive end. And I guess, I think maybe we can all just let go of, well, who's going to start? It's going to be Jack Sawyer or Zach Harrison or JT Tumaloa that, I think they have three starters for two spots. I think the snap counts will be similar for them. And watching how they were used on Thursday, at least for me, confirm that a little bit. I'm going to personally let that go a little bit because my expectation is they're all going to be really important. And I think on third down, they very well might all be on the field, but they want to rotate to some degree anyway. And so they easily can, because I think they have three very, very good, football players at defensive end is, is that where we, our mind should be?
1: Yes. So we did the pod of who we think the two starters are going to be. It doesn't really matter because if there's 75 defensive snaps to go out there, they're just going to do a third, a third and a third. And it's sometimes it's going to be Jack and Zach. Sometimes it's going to be Jack and JT. Sometimes it's going to be JT and Zach. And but, we're just, I mean, you've got three top 10 former top 10 recruits as your as your three starting defensive ends. Yeah. That's a pretty good. I mean, I don't know how many other programs in the country can say that right now. Yep. Because even in 2018, they had Chase and then Nick Bosa and then their Jonathan Cooper was a top 100 recruit. But there's a drop off. Yeah. Between what those two are, and what he is. I mean, this is on paper. This looks pretty unique. To say the least.
2: And, and it felt like maybe early on in the practice, it was like, well, JT's not coming off the field. And Jack Sawyer kind of wasn't around for mm-hmm. the first round of seven on seven or whatever. But then when they went to 11 on 11 for the first time, it was Zach Harrison and Jack Sawyer. And JT Tumaloa wasn't out there. So, you know, Nathan, I think that's the way to do it. And we just, Nathan, I, we still don't have a lot of information on the Jack Leo stand up and move around the line kind of thing. Like we didn't really see it
0: yeah. on Thursday. And- and, and as we were sort of just talking amongst ourselves, like Zach Harrison standing up at the end doesn't mean a lot to me. Somebody standing up and then moving around into the middle of the f- defensive line, that means something to me. That's what I'm thinking is, is a truly new wrinkle for this defense if Jim Knowles wants to employ it. And I think maybe he does, and I think he's going to show us exactly zero seconds of it.
2: No, that could be. Yeah, he's not going to be like, hey, hey, Jim Knowles finally brought out the Jack Leo right when the Big Ten Network was here. Cool. No, everybody understands the position now and we can tell Notre Dame how it's going to look. Uh, defensive tackles. Nathan, I think you were pretty excited because I think the first time maybe in seven on sevens that we saw defensive tackles out there, you're, you were you, you pulled the bus up and dropped off my call and he got right off the bus and went right in with the ones.
0: Yeah, yeah, not in seven on sevens. That was, there's no no defensive line there. But oh, yeah, right. one, one of the yes. first, but when they did the first inside drill, yes. um, the, the f- defensive line there was two MLO out and Harrison on the ends and Vincent at three tech and Mike Hall at nose. And Mike Hall was in there in, in some other formations with guys who, um, you know, at the top of the depth chart. I also did see him uh, working off on the side, looked like he might have tweaked something, but then went back to work back to practice again so i was worried for a second there that maybe I had, I had bared jinxed him but it seemed like he he bounced back okay and was doing all right but there was there was definitely another in the 11 on 11s there was another off a defensive line there was two malo and Jean baptiste at the ends and then vincent and hall in the middle with with um that was like a three linebacker look with Core williams along with chambers and and um eichenberg and the in the usual starting corners and safety so he he's in the mix
2: that first, I think that inside drill when it was Vincent and Hall to start at tackles. And I think the second guys were uh, Ty Hamilton and Tyleek Williams. Correct. And then I, I did see a rep of 11 on 11 where the starting defensive tackles were Teron Vincent and Jeron Cage. So, uh, Stephen, like, we know the group, right? Do we, we know the group. Tyleek Williams is in the group. Mike calls in the group. Ty Hamilton's in the group. Jerron Cage is in the group. Tron Vincent's in the group. We know that they're going to rotate five or six defensive linemen. And I think we saw that, but it is like confirmation. Hey, don't forget like Mike Hall as a second year Mm -hmm. guy who did not really do anything last year is right in the thick of that group.
1: Yeah. So it's like if Zach JT and Zach are just your three guys on the outside and you've got five guys in the interior, that's actually where I feel like you could see a who's hot that game. So, like, Mike Hall could literally have a game where he plays north of 40 snaps if he's out here that's dominating. But then also you could probably say the same thing about Ty Hamilton and the same thing about Taliq Williams and, you know, Teron Vincent, Teron Vincent and Jaron Case to a lesser extent. But the, those younger guys who are coming, you could see if they're just going to rotate five guys in there, it's kind of like who who's the hot hand, and that's who Larry might roll with later, in the especially on third down
2: are we leaving anybody out Nathan from what we saw or does it feel like that is the top 5 at defensive tackle i mean like i think jaden mckenzie might have been in there for some snaps um there's some younger guys there but I, I i do think it right it feels like that group is kind of like a top 5
0: i think yeah right. I, I think that is a fair way to look at that i think mckenzie and um canoe like those guys are are the next step down. I would put those other guys as the top five. If, if there's yeah. if they rotate five against Notre Dame, I think those are the five.
1: I do yeah. wonder if like Jaden McKenzie is like a fourth year guy now, maybe sneaks in as that six guy. I but, think you're yeah. probably right. I think he's he would be the edge on the sixth guy. Yeah,
2: I do just think. But but if we're sort of thinking and, and again, Javante Jean-Baptiste, Tyler Friday, Caden Curry, Guys like that may mix in at defensive end, but it feels like a top group of three, as we talked about, and maybe at tackle, there's a top group of five. That Those will be the eight guys who play the most on the defensive line, and the other guys who may get time are maybe to a slightly lesser degree. So a lot of confirming. I do think that the defense is interesting. There's just more moving parts, and Ryan Day was asked, Nathan, sort of about, hey, it sort of feels like there's not a ton of job battles because there are some places where it feels like you're clearly going to rotate. And then maybe where you're not going to rotate, we sort of know who's going to play. Like they're not going to rotate at left tackle, Paris Johnson's left tackle, right? And then they are going to rotate at defensive tackle. So kind of who starts isn't that big of a deal. I almost like almost shouted out, can you just say where you are going to rotate? And can you say where you're not going to rotate? But I, I think that again was the kind of question that confirms where everybody is, which is maybe some rotation at corner when they're all healthy. Maybe Denzel Burke doesn't lead the field all that much, but we could see a rotation at corner Proctor and Hickman, the most snaps on the back end. Maybe you play some other guys a little bit. I don't know. Linebacker feels like maybe there's a little more opportunity for rotation defensive ends, three guys for two spots tackles, five guys for two spots. Like, it feels like everybody's kind of on the same page that you could sort of ask Ryan Day a vague vague question, and then we'll do the offensive side of the ball and do some of that too. You could ask a vague question because he knows what we mean and we know what he means. And I think we all kind of know on defense who the 20 guys are that are going to play.
0: Yeah. I mean, from a base standpoint, things are, are pretty well locked and coming into the preseason for a team that, you know, had so much upheaval on defense last year. For defense to have been the reason why they weren't a playoff team to have had a demotion of a the coordinator two games into the season, to have then done a complete staff overhaul except for one guy on the defensive side coming into this season, like for all those things that were turned upside down, yeah, not not a lot that's like at stake in terms of position battles. What I would say, though, is the other thing that we've just sort of brushed past, which is how multiple is Jim Knowles going to be? We always hear at this time in camp about, well, guys are going to play and we've got packages for this and we'll see what happens. And, and a lot of times in my experience here the last couple of years of Ohio State, that hasn't really come to fruition. Knowles is a little bit different of a cat, though, the way he schemes things up. And he's getting fresh eyes on everybody. And does he follow through with the things we were talking about before with the safeties or Cam Martinez or the Jack Leo? And and are there things that we're not necessarily always getting eyes on because they're trying to hide them because they want to be more multiple with the way they show teams fronts and things this year?
1: I really want to see how productive this defensive line is going to be because the more productive this defensive line is, the less that other stuff matters. Because, like, if JT or Jack is like that, and, I mean, that was part of it. The, they were kind of basic in 2019. They had Chase Young, so it didn't matter. So if they've got it, if one of those two is a dude, the way that Ryan Day and Jim Knowles have talked about this defensive line, then all the multiple, all the extra stuff, maybe they can be a little bit more simple, even if it's not necessarily the best thing every single year.
0: Well, we, we don't think they have third-year Chase Young on this team. And that defense was structured the way it was because that's the structure Ryan Day wanted. And now he has mm. turned all of that over to a separate guy. Like Jim Knowles gets to do what he wants to do with the defense and doesn't have to worry about applying it to Ryan Day's preference. So that's why that's kind of the thing. I've got like, I don't know, 15, 20% that's still hanging out here. That's like, well, how, what is he going to wrinkle it up in a f- interesting and fun ways on opening night?
2: I just, I think the wrinkles are the way you move your safeties pre-snap and the way that you maybe have that Jack Leo moving around the time, yeah. the way your disguise coverage is. I don't think it's the people. I think mm-hmm. it's the way you use them. Cause I do think, I think, again, I just, it, it, it intrigues me. I, I think we're probably past the point of asking him cause he kind of knows it, but he's never had players this good. And so I do think even at a place like Oklahoma state that had a top 10 defense, top five defense last year, I do think maybe I could see how you wind up using more guys because you don't have as many guys who can do it all. But it's like, well, I want to make sure that that we do this with our safeties and we're confusing quarterbacks and we're rolling coverages and we're asking guys to cover and play zone and man and be strong against the run. And it's like, oh no, yeah, no, just Josh Proctor can do all that. So I'm going to ask Josh Proctor to do nine different things, but I'm always going to be asking Josh Proctor. I don't need to put somebody else in to do that, right? So I do think... But as you said, Nathan, I don't think we're going to know with Knowles until we know. We're going to think we have an idea of how he's going to use this defense, and I bet you he does things in the first half against Notre Dame that surprises everybody a little bit, because guess who he's trying to surprise? Tyler Buckner and Drew Pine and and uh, Tommy Sizemore. What's his name? What's, the co- what's Tommy Rees, the offensive – not Tommy Sizemore. Tommy Sizemore just sounds like a guy who would be at Notre Dame. Tommy Rees, the offensive coordinator for the Irish. So, anyway – Quick break. When we come back, we'll get right to the receivers. We're not going to make you wait. We're not going to do punters for 15 minutes and then get to the receivers. We'll do offense. We'll do receivers first on Buckeye Talk.
1: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 7 in our mobile banking app.
2: Doug Nathan and Stephen, back. We had someone note maybe there's no commercial where we just took a break, but we leave the commercial whole in case they want to put a commercial in. So it's like we did switch podcast platforms. I there's like agreements you make, and I think possibly I don't know this for sure. It was with the old podcast platform. Sometimes like depending where you are in the country, you maybe got a different ad depending on whatever. I don't know. It's a national thing. This isn't just. Little Dougie in his, his sweaty office putting out a podcast. I mean, that is what it is. But then I give it to a national platform and they do what they do. So maybe you're not hearing commercials, but I hear, com- I like hear national podcasts all the time that take breaks and then there's just nothing there. So we take it in case we have a chance to make money there. Maybe you got to leave a hole there in case you can make money off of it. So Buckeye Talk, that's Buckeye what Talk. we do. So that's why it's there. And, uh, but if not, then you just get like a little two second break and pet your dog or
0: get a beverage. And then you sit down and listen to more, Steve. I would, I would oh, pause it. I would, I would pause it and just do your own commercial. Yeah. Like what, what, what product do you wish we were selling you in between talking to you about football and, oh, that's uh, good. and chicken fingers?
2: Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. And then you can send them, we should have like a video channel where people can upload those, upload your own commercials. Uh, Steven, receivers. Marvin Harrison, every one rep at X. Jackson oh. Smith and Jigra, every one rep in the slot. And Julian Fleming clearly up first at Z. Go right there. That's the Julian Fleming, a Mecca Egg Buka discussion. That is probably the most interesting discussion on the team. What did you see that informed your opinion about that on Thursday?
1: 11 on 11, seven on seven, any team period where it was competitive it was consistently Julian Fleming as a starting Z. But there were other periods where it would be a Mecha Ibuka up at the starting Z. And then we would see Julian Fleming with the twos alongside Jaden Ballard, who is looking more like a second X and he is a Z these days. And then Xavier Johnson. Now him being an X might be because Cameron Babb also didn't practice fully today. And that would seem like the more, Reasonable thing that was happening there with the twos is that like Cam Bab is the backup X and Jaden Ballard's the backup Z, just for sake of names on the death chart. But yeah, it, Julian Fleming looks like a guy who is going to be a very consistent c- receiver for Ohio State. But even watching a Mecha Buka run around, he looks like he might be a star just from and that's just like a a combination of what we saw last year and also just some of the stuff we saw today nobody did anything that was like highlight worthy but it's just watching Emeka Abuko run around it just seems like get the ball in the guy in this guy's hands and let's let let him work so it is going to be something to consistently pay attention to throughout the season the season here because the more i watch it the 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 less you see maybe Julian flash something major, you start to think uh, maybe Emeka Buka ceiling is higher. And does Brian Hartline have his first like moment that Larry Johnson has had a lot over the last couple of years here? And that's a bunch of top-tier guys in a room. But is the younger guy better than the older guy? And how quickly do you go to the younger guy if that's the case?
2: So the hard thing is Emeka Agbuka, anybody out there, would notice how he moves the way he moves against air. He moves different. I think it's possible that Julian Fleming does not put his best foot forward against air because Stephen, like the, the conversation around Julian Fleming is sort of a more of a bigger, more physical receiver. Yeah. Let's get him out there. Let's see him be physical with the corner, use his body, make a contested catch Mm-hmm. And, you know, they do, they do some receiver corner stuff and you, you watch that, but there's maybe less opportunity for that. And when it's just like individual drill, you know, run your route and here comes the ball. And it's like, it looks like Emeka Buka's on rollerblades, man. He's just smooth and it, it gets your heart racing a little bit. Yeah. So, so, but, but they're as, although they're playing the same position, they're not really the same style of receiver. And then the thing you have to go by again is, Julian was always the first guy up. And there were some individual drills where it's like, well, Julian's the first guy up. And then sometimes like a Mecca was like fourth. And it's like, again, you don't want to read into it too much. But as much as Ecka Emeka Book, I think caught both of our eyes, Julian Fleming was clearly ahead of him on the depth chart, the way they worked through practice on Thursday.
1: Yeah, if everybody's reaching their ceilings here. A Mecca, not a Mecca, uh, Marvin Harrison and Julian Fleming just bring a different skill set than everybody else in the room. Marvin, just because, as we found out, he's an athletic freak. While Julian is a lot more physical, Even when he's just running on air, it makes him look slow almost, but that's not the case. It's like, get a guy on the other side of him and let him go one-on-one, and he might bully guys around there. I've said this a couple times on the spot, the comparison that was thrown out there to me was A.J. Brown, who is a bigger receiver and does use his body, you know, to make, you know, aggressive possession catches and stuff like that. So that might be what Julian Fleming is. It's just, it's very hard to see that when, one, we've seen limited practices over the last three years, two, he's been hurt a lot. And then three, I mean, we might not see what the real Julian Fleming is as CJ Stroud like to put it, that we haven't seen the real Julian Fleming yet until the Notre Dame game. And then I might be sitting here like, Oh, that was stupid to say about Julian. He's awesome.
2: Yeah. So we don't, Mecca just has, has something to him. Uh, that X receiver, which is that sort of that receiver out by himself on the edge of the formation, that Z receiver maybe has more opportunity to go in motion and do some things like that. Except mm-hmm. that, that, that X receiver that Chris Olave played last year when they were doing drills where the receivers were sort of lined up, again, X, then slot, then Z. Marvin Harrison was was the first guy up at X all the time. Other guys with him, Kojo Antwi, yeah. He was there. He was up behind him. Caleb Burton. Those are both true freshmen. He was up there. Uh Jaden Ballard was over there. And then Cam Babb again, it was good wh- that he got asked about Cam Babb because Cam Babb was up and he was doing some individual drill stuff. He wasn't doing all of it. And he wasn't doing much team stuff. And Nathan, it's like, Oh no, is this did. And it was, no, he just had like a little tweak that Ryan day said, which is okay. Come back two days from now and cam Babb will be doing everything else and then again that's the thing if you're driving the bus nathan for cam bab as some people were i think you have to drive it in a way that jackson smith and jigba is in the slot julian fleming and Emeka mecca are, are at their position at the z and you think that cam bab is talented enough and healthy enough to work in at times instead of marvin harrison jr that they want to take you know Take that young guy off the field every now and then, not a rotation probably, but that Cam Bab gets real snaps that matter. I think that's what that would look like. And then that's not what we saw Thursday, but it's just because he had a little tweak, so it's all good. But you can see a bunch of other young guys repping at that spot behind Marvin.
0: Yeah, we talked at the end of driving the bus about how everybody who is driving for Harrison and Fleming and Egbuka can't be happy isn't going to enjoy the final destination that they get to this year with that bus. But I think if you're driving it for Cam Babb, what if those other guys do is almost irrelevant. He's the one that stands a little bit alone. It's just a matter of like being healthy for a year and being a, a real rotational guy. And that's not going to lead to like a ton of targets probably and a ton of production, but just being in there is, is a real thing for him this year.
2: So when you lined up then those those individual receiver drills, when you looked at the slot, it's Jackson, Smith, and Jigba. There were five guys when I watched that group. It was Jackson, Smith, and Jigba, three walk-ons, and Caleb Brown, the true freshman, who were mm-hmm. working the slot at that moment. Now, Stephen, that's because we think if if Jackson, Smith, and Jigba got abducted by aliens for a week, a Mecca would slide in there and do that. But it didn't – I guess Mecca maybe did – some slot stuff every now and then, but most of the time he's with the outside guys. And it's a reminder that like, Oh no, well Jackson Smith and jig, but he's probably going to play 95% of the snaps that matter this year.
1: Is a Ibuka doing the Garrett Wilson plan, but like behind the scenes where it's like, he was working in the slot backup slot all last year, but he was always with the twos and now he's working the outside spots, but he's always with the twos, So we just don't get to see it as much, which like, emphasizes our theory that regardless of what a depth chart says, a Mecca book is everybody's backup.
2: Yeah, no, I think that might be right. If any of them truly got abducted by aliens, I think maybe if Marvin Harrison Jr. got abducted by aliens, would they maybe slide Julian over there and keep a Mecca at the Z? And that's how they do that. I don't know. But I, th- mm. I think you might be right there. But again, because like I don't think you'd play Cam Bab 50 snaps. Mm-hmm. Ahead of Buka. I don't think you'd play Jaden Ballard 50 snaps and the book is over there splitting time with Julian Fleming. So I think you're right. This just like we talked about at sixth offensive lineman, he's the fourth receiver, but he's also more than the fourth receiver. He's not only waiting for someone to be injured. So in general, Steven, like, I don't know, good receiver vibes. You're just watching guys do stuff, watching guys move around. We're getting a sense of this depth chart. Again, it's not surprising. We're confirming things with the receivers. What was the overall vibe you saw?
1: good vibe obviously you want to see them do some flashy stuff just because that's the group you expect that from but that's on the back burner i want to, it, it feels like they're going to play four at bare minimum and what they were doing today how they were moving guys around like i even saw a drew at one point where it was like jackson smith the jigbo was on the outside and mecca was on the slot which is less about the fact that jackson was on the outside more just like they're going to do something where. Jackson's has to be on the outside, even if they motion him back in to do a bunch of other stuff out of the name of being creative with him. But they were mixing and matching and stuff around enough. And Amecha and Julian were kind of rotating enough in some of the stuff they were rotating, and that makes me believe that Marvin and Jackson aren't coming off the field unless some unless they get abducted by aliens, while some type of rotation might be happening at Z.
2: Okay again, it's just good. It's just good to firm some of this stuff up. Nathan, Cade Stover was catching passes, and kind of everybody noticed, and it was kind of a reminder of let's not forget who the number one tight end on this team is.
0: Yep, well said. Um, And I don't know, again, what the pass catching ceiling is for him, but I also don't know that it matters. (laughs) I think as we were talking before, it's more, you know, at some point this season, he's going to get locked up with a linebacker and he'll get a step on that guy. And if Stroud sees it and hits him, he's got to catch it. But the other like 90% of the time, he almost doesn't need hands.
1: With his hands, because he's got to, you know, (laughs) get in there. Yeah. Block, but yeah, I think he could. could he could do it with maybe he could get by without thumbs. Yeah, yeah. Could he yeah. do it with nubs. Could you block yeah. out of? Could Kate yeah, Stover, could. as yes. crazy as he is as a hitter, could he block without yes. hands? Yes, he could. No
2: mm. doubt about it. I have no doubt about that.
1: We get him on Monday, so we could just ask him.
0: I'm sure
2: that would go over well.
0: <laughs> uh, he did. He, he, if you lost your hands in like a farm if implement hands, accident, if you lost your hands, hands to you, an auger,
2: like ha- would you? I mean, people do lose their hands to augers. If your hands were abducted by aliens. <laughs> I grew- that's just the safest way to say any of this stuff.
1: Can I ask come- a question? Yes. What's an auger?
2: No, I, I was going to ask. Ask Mr. Beanfield. Mr. Beanfield. Yeah, what is I grew what is up
1: in that? the inner city, man. I don't know what auger is.
0: It is. Um, what's the best way to describe it? It's.
2: Now um... uh, you're Googling it. Don't Google no, it, it, Mr. It, Beanfield. I'm trying to. Remember,
0: well, no, but like it's actually I think it's a corn thing. Oh, I, didn't grow, I didn't grow up on a farm. I grew up adjacent to farms. I grew up surrounded by farms. Beanfield adjacent. I was in uh, a little white trash town with the farms all around it. Cade Stover,
2: he did make a nice play down the field. It was like, a t- you know, kind of down the sideline. and
1: wheel route.
0: And he
2: smoked the guy. And it was like, man, that was a nice play by Kate Stover. Then you look and it's like he smoked a walk-on corner who's literally their 15th cornerback. But again, like, but they threw him the ball and he caught it. I think I saw him catch everything they threw at him today. So, mm-hmm. like, and then Ryan Day again. Ryan Day was asked about that, and and Stephen he did like say, "Hey, this guy's been working on this, like that. He knows Ohio State wants complete tight ends. Yes, you have a thing you might be better at, but if they put you on the field, you have to be a threat to do both." And I, Cade Stover, knew that. Ryan Day seemed very pleased with the progress he made as a pass catcher to at least be a threat. And I think what we saw today was, oh, I, you've got to cover him. You have to cover him, and that, that's that's mm-hmm. all it has to be.
1: Which, yeah, he said it. the physicality is the first thing you notice about him, but he's worked on that stuff, which wasn't the case last year. I think he, he dropped some passes last year that he should have caught. And if those drops are no longer drops, that's helpful because then you don't have to take him off the field mm-hmm. to put a receiving tight end in the game, even if you know they're not passing the ball just for those sets. Kate Stowe, that's that many more snaps per game that you can go with your starting tight end out there. That's the benefit of it, even if you know you're not going to throw them the ball.
0: An auger is how you get grain from the ground into the grain bin.
2: Okay. Seems dangerous. I would not want to have to do that. I would be incapable of doing that very valuable work that helps our society. So thanks to everyone who does that instead of us, because it seems like it would probably take strength and energy that I don't have.
0: Stephen is very dismissive of this as if he ain't ever ate a piece of bread.
1: Oh yeah. No. no, I was not. I don't know if I was being dismissive. It's just like that doesn't sound like something I want to do. No, and then no. Doug was saying thank you to the people who do do it, which I agree yeah. with cuz yeah, I do like sandwiches. I just don't want to be the guy who has to create the resources yeah. needed to make a sandwich.
2: Just a reminder, just a reminder again. What what we do here it's talking. Every We watch a child's
1: talk. game and then talk about it.
2: It's talking. What's your job? I talk. It's like, how do you learn to talk? I don't know. You're, you come out of your mom and then like a year later, you know how to do it. And that's it. It's like, how do you make, how do you get grain out of the ground? Well, it's more complicated than talking. I know that. Uh, Joe Royer is the second tight end. G Scott's the third tight end, Nathan. A lot of people were interested in G Scott. We talked about him a lot on the bus podcast. I asked Ryan Day about it. They were running a little drill where they're kind of flipping some bubble screens to guys and they flipped a couple of them to the slot receivers. They flipped one to Evan Pryor. They flipped one to G Scott. I didn't see him flip one to Cade Stover. It was like, okay, okay. I see it. I see it. But in asking Ryan day about G Scott, it, it maybe just don't, don't get over your skis too much. He's still making a transformation. He's still kind of getting used to this position. He certainly has come a long way, but it feels like there is a, but in there a little bit, Nathan.
0: It's funny. We were talking off to the side, like, when Ryan Day says something good about someone, does that actually mean he feels like he can say it because he knows they're not going to play? It's like we'll ask about, hey, what about Player X? And we'll be like, oh, I will tell you all day about Player X because that guy is never going to see the field. But then when you ask him about a guy who's on the cusp and they want to like keep him hungry. So we're, we're always trying to read through the lines of, of those sort of things. But I think they're being pretty honest because I think the message on G. Scott all along has been consistent that this is a process that there's something there that's promising, but that it doesn't have anything to do with whether he can catch passes. It's all of the other things. Like, are you up to the physical toll that it takes to play that position? Cade uh, Stover had a head start on that. He also had, um, I would say was built from that mentality a little bit more um, throughout his football life than maybe g scott was and but physically was also a little bit farther along and ready to take that on and i as i was saying yesterday when we were driving the doing the bus um i still am really intrigued by what 2023 2024 g scott could be if he sticks at ohio state and sees that through and keeps that development going i just don't think it's a 2022 eruption for him
2: let's do running backs real quick Trayvon henderson looks good I saw Evan Pryor run between the tackles, so he's he can do that. They want him yeah. to do that, and I don't know, guys. I don't know how much either of you got eyeballs on the running back stuff. It maybe felt like to me that Evan Pryor was with the twos a little bit yes. more than Mayan Williams was. Is that fair, Stephen?
1: Yeah, it felt a lot like what I saw early in the spring where Mayan and Trey were kind of – both working with the ones, both working with CJ okay. a bunch, while Evan Pryor was just strictly with Kyle McCord.
2: But it's so, so Evan Pryor was with the twos, but he wasn't ahead of Mayan Williams. He was behind Mayan Williams because my, Mayan Williams was half, was more with the ones, you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, but again, it's like they're asking, like, if you're going to play tailback here, you, they got to be able to hand you the ball and have you hit a gap and mm-hmm. break a tackle and get some tough yards. So it's hard, you know, because again, they're not tackling to the ground. And a lot of times, the, you know, the drills that the running backs are doing, they're just doing pass pro stuff. They're doing, you know, hold on to the football while I whack you with a pool noodle kind of stuff. So not not a great way to get a, a great read on the running backs. But Trevon Henderson, still good. When we come back, we'll do offensive line and quarterback. What we learned on Thursday next on Buckeye Talk. 614 350 3315. Nathan, you described the text that you and Steven sent on Thursday morning as a fire hose. You guys are just like, we see it, you think it, you get your thumbs moving, Nathan, and it gets right to the people.
0: Yeah, I actually haven't even checked the responses. Today seemed like one of those kind of days where people might even be like, okay. Yeah. We sent, we sent like, I think each of us sent three of what we saw from the offense and defense, respectively. And then I was cranking out what Ryan Day said. So between whatever time that was, like 11 and noon today, you guys yeah. got a, a pretty big
1: pile of texts. I, I think that's so not I, our fault, though, because we were supposed no. to get day at 1130, and he walked in at 1115.
2: And, and, and it was really a rare day. Like, we don't yeah. get to see. That much of practice, we don't get to see seven on seven and 1111 11 all that much. A lot of times when we see, hey, we got to see practice, we see stretching. We see they always start with punt. So we mm-hmm. watch punt stuff. Jaden Ballard, I think, might be a starting gunner, right? Are we does that feel right?
1: uh, it looked like Ballard and Fleming okay. and then like uh, like Jackson, kind of.
2: OK, that's real. Like Jaden Ballard, you want to make a name in the receiver room, go be the best gunner in the big 10 on punt coverage. That's how mm-hmm. people get, you can really get people's attention doing that. So, and and I could see him doing that, that again, maybe, you know, he's not quite in the same path as his recruiting classmates, Emeka Ibuka and Marvin Harrison Jr., but that's okay. But Jaden Ballard has a chance to help this team and, Boy, will Ryan Day and Brian Hartline love it if he does that. And he seems like the. I think he, he's wearing, he wears nine, right? Is that what Devin Smith he is were? And De- yep. Devin Smith was like a gunner, like like build a gunner out of Legos. And it's like that. And it's like, okay, Northeast Ohio guy, guy like go do that. And then Devin Smith was also Devin Smith. And that might be coming for Jaden Ballard too. He's only heard the Devin Smith stuff a thousand times. Yeah. Right, right. See him like, like that. I mean,
0: like,
1: yeah. They're literally from the same high school. So well, you watch, yeah.
2: watch number nine. Yeah. run down and cover punts and beat the ball down the field and be standing in front of the punt returner, forcing yep. a fair catch. Like, Hey, you can try to run, but I'm definitely going to tackle you. Mm-hmm. And it's like, wow, that is very much like Devin Smith. So I, I had a flash of that today.
1: You know who else was like a really good gutter, um, especially in 2020. And then also when he transferred Chambers and Williams
2: mm, fast. Yeah. Like if you're like the fifth, or third like if you're a receiver who's not getting the ball six times a game and you're fast you're a gunner you yep. better be a gunner or they're going to wonder why you're not so mm-hmm. good like the Jaden ballard with that he seems very very good position to help the team doing that offensive line nathan we know the starters i don't even know that we have to talk about the starters much we know who they are we know they have great potential and I don't know that we learned a ton. If you think you did, that's great. But the second team getting some confirmation on second team and especially your guy Zen was the left tackle with the twos basically all day. W- what did you think of that? That, that sort of like who's next up at tackle is like a big thing to, to, to watch.
0: I mean, it was one of the stories of the spring, right? As much as we felt like there isn't a lot of drama on the defensive side of things that, this second string offensive line really hung out there as hey you never know you might need him this year you definitely need something to be developing for 2023 and tackle especially was was a was a huge thing and um Mahalski it's again i think it's just looking to see which guys are supposed to be on target and he seems like he is like they this, this is sort of bearing out some of the reasons why they were intrigued to get him in the first place a, a guy who is a, a late riser uh both in terms of his prospect status and his weight um I was talking to actually his high school coach today he was I think he came into high school like six to 185. something yeah. like that. Like, yeah. so in four years, he's five years, he's gained 100 pounds and like five inches and just become a completely different person. But it's also he sounds like it, it, it's going to be kind of a fun story because he, they keep in contact. They, sometimes high school guys are, are, are guys are still close to their high school coach. And he said, yeah, he called me and he was like so excited. That he got on like the extra point field goal team. But at the same time, this is like Ryan Day pulling him aside, I think, multiple times. Michals- Michalski said there was a time in the spring, this coach said that he thought that there were a couple conversations over the summer, just being like, keeping his eyes on that this is not a distant thing for him necessarily. Like, they, he may be the guy next year if some of these other things as that they expect, Dewan Jones, um, Paris Johnson, if, if they have the kind of seasons people expect, that they might be off to the NFL, and now this whole thing falls in Zen Michalski's lap.
2: So if you're noticing a lack of a c there's a c in his last name we were it was pointed out to us by a listener that it's not pronounced so it's not machalski as we called him on the bus it's mahalski so we apologize for that and we think this is right and if that's wrong then we'll go back so zen well, mahalski mispronounce it some other way we, I mean it, it is not our intent there's 85 scholarship guys but we need to get that right zen Mahalski, if you if you're noticing that difference it um felt like i i wrote down twice what the second team line was in s- different situations. Four of the guys were the same both times Zen Mahalski at left tackle, Enoch Bamahi at left guard, Jacob mm-hmm. James at center, and mm-hmm. Ben Christman at right guard. Yep. And then one time it was Carson, is it Hinsman or Heinzman? Speaking of mispronouncing, Hinsman? Hinsman. Carson Hinsman at right tackle one time, and the other time it was Josh Fryer. And Josh. Yes. Fry a little bit pitch count working his way back. Steven, you're yes. confirming that that feels like the second team line. Okay.
1: Yes. That, the, the, the Ben Chrisman was the, the the significant change from the last time I saw it, where Trey LaRue was in there at right guard, which actually makes more sense. Trey LaRue is all as big as a house and Ben Chrisman is more of a swing guy who can play inside and outside. But then, yes, I did notice that Hensman was kind of rotating in there, right? Tackle because Josh Fryer is still also working his way back from yeah. an injury.
2: So it feels like, again, when sort of asked about you asked about Mahalski, right? Nathan, because you're working on mm-hmm. this thing, you asked Friday about that, and it sort of is. It's at the. It's like Mahalski or Fryer in a competition to be the the third tackle is is where yeah. this is right now.
0: I, I I specifically wanted to know, like, if you needed a left tackle tonight to play a game, a second left tackle, you know, whatever. Paris didn't get the notice that the game had been moved up a month, and you have to play tonight. Like, who would play left tackle? And he said either. Mahowski or Fryer, yeah, which okay. makes me think it might be Fryer if it was tonight, just because of experience. Mahowski still, to me, is more of the the project that they want to be there for 2023.
2: And again, to be clear, the the plan A at left tackle in 2023 is please Paris, please Paris, please. Also, uh, please collective help Paris stay. No, (laughs)
1: they're going to like give Paris an iPad with all these like fake mock drafts. He's like a fourth round draft
2: pick. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Paris Johnson is a journalist. He'll sniff that out. He'll 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 call people. Paris Paris Johnson projected his top 10 pick by Paris Johnson, (laughs) Paris Johnson Jr. So that's plan A. But what you're writing about, Nathan, is it's that very likely won't work. And then plan B might be Zen Mahalski at left tackle next year. So that was important. Eyeballs confirmation. We may have been able to guess that second team offensive line for the most part, Steven, you noted where the change had been made, but mm-hmm. again, every, everybody in the world knows Paris Johnson, Donovan Jackson, Luke, Luke Whippler, Matthew Jones, DeWan Jones, they're out there. They're doing their thing. Quarterback. It was a little odd. And this is one of those things. It was like 14 periods. I think it wasn't their normal practice because the Big Ten was there. They don't want everybody watching everything they do. It did not feel like the quarterbacks set the world on fire. There were a few goofy picks that went right to DBs. It felt like every now and then, you know, like there was like an out route to a Buka and he was open and it got bounced on the way there. And so this is not a podcast about how Ohio state's quarterback situation is in trouble, but it was a little, not what you maybe would have expected given who they have at quarterback.
1: I think Devin Brown probably had the best ball of the day, like a deep ball. I think it was, uh, it was one of the freshmen. I can't remember who it was too, but he had a pretty good ball, but I'm just thinking back to a year ago, and it's like back-to-back years in a row, man, the Big Ten shows up, and the quarterback situa- play is just not what it needs to be. Last year, because CJ Stroud is, first of all, not practicing. for what At the time, they called a rest day. Come to find out, it's because his shoulder was falling off of its socket, and he was hurt. But it's if the quarterbacks were performed today, last year, we would have been a little worried.
2: That, that is exactly it. If, <laughs> if this was a quarterback competition yeah. and we watched that and then we got Ryan day after, I think the first nine questions would have been something along the lines of Ryan, Ryan is, what the bleep. <laughs> it, it felt like maybe your quarterbacks didn't have a great day and he would have had to try to explain, well, you know, I got to go watch the yep. film and everything. But because it's CJ Stroud, who is one of the three best quarterbacks in the country. And because it's Kyle McCord who frankly I don't know, but is one of the best backup quarterbacks in the country, and because it's Devin Brown, who is a borderline five-star true freshman, nobody's worried. But Nathan, it was just it was, it was just a little interesting considering we never get to do this, and there were there were like again like Lloyd McFarquhar was celebrating a pick of Kyle McCord, like it's like hey Lloyd McFarquhar in an ideal world is there ninth corner and Kyle McCord is legitimately their number two quarterback and Lloyd McFarquhar just like made a diving interception of Kyle McCord so it just it's just one of those days
0: well yeah it, it you're expecting to finally get to watch this offense really light it up and then really the tone setter was J.K. Johnson picking just this really this just quacker of a duck that CJ Stroud threw up there. Like, I'm not really sure what happened on that. There may have been that may have been it's a miscommunication. Somebody ran a wrong route or something. I don't know. It was bad, but like that sort of sets the tone. That was very early in that practice, and then you kind of are like ah, uh. and I you sit back and just take it all in. And it really, we again the way that we watch a practice oftentimes is like trying to get all those numbers in order and seeing who's where and who's accounted for and and who's playing where. So some of the execution. We, it, it's just what catches your eye, what doesn't I, but uh, not,
1: not a day where they lit it up. Here I will just- say CJ does walk around like a starting quarterback though. It's just, he takes the reps he wants to take. If he wants to take seven in a row, he's going to take seven in a row. If he wants to chill and hang out, he's going to chill and hang out for a little bit and turn it on when it's time to compete. It, he's full starting quarterback mode out there. Um, But yeah, not the, but here's the problem. I don't know how to take it because this should be the best offense in the country. So if the defense is doing a good job against the offense, that should make you feel confident that the defense is better, except CJ throws and decision-making were terrible. And like the wide receivers were like kind of getting locked up by Lloyd McFarquhar. So you, you gotta, it's, it's hard to like really parcel together. How much of it is the defense is better versus like the offense just decided they didn't want to have a good day.
2: It's fine. Please do This is not, oh, you should have heard fuck I talk. The quarterback room is on fire. (laughs) Also, again, just like very early on, there were a few goofy punts, it seemed like.
1: There's Uh, um, early on today or the other two practices we watched.
2: No, I well, so I'll just say at the moment, I am holding special teams coach Parker Fleming and quarterbacks coach Corey Dennis responsible for all of this. And I have some really <laughs> harsh questions to ask of both of them. I'm kidding. It's it probably it's fine. The quarterbacks are definitely fine. It's just we're just telling you what we saw. You guys would have thought the same thing, but nobody would have actually thought like, "Oh my god, this is a problem." Uh, and there just were a couple punts that, like, sort of instead of like being on the field, were sort of like almost hitting the tower hitting speakers. <laughs> so I, I don't know. They're probably not going to punt that much, but. You know, we're not here to besmirch Jesse Mirko, but it was not a Cam Johnston-esque performance so far in camp.
1: (laughs) It very much feels like their punter isn't good, but who cares because they're only going to punt seven times anyway.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No No one will care until they have to care. No, I know.
2: Landis and I were planning a three-hour crossover podcast of (laughs) how Ohio State's 2022 punting situation will – Make people appreciate that Cam Johnston is the best Ohio State player in the last twenty five years, and we'll go three hours. It's like you can't just go to Australia and get a guy; they're not all the same. So it's it's you know, I mean, again, the, I, the quarterbacks will be fine against Notre Dame. If a punt goes like twenty three yards and goes out of bounds, then you'll reference back to this and be like, Hey, they were saying it was so." Mm. Like again, it's we saw one practice, but we're so excited that we got to see practice. Oh, it was great! You know what's gonna be great? The Monday pod. Nathan, I I hope people were excited for the bus pod. I know the three of us were excited for it. I hope they listened to it and enjoyed it. And I hope they get excited for the market down Monday that is coming because I think it's going to be cool. What's your plan?
0: So originally on the schedule, we had put it down like, oh, let's like predict the like tackle and sacks leaders and the more we talked it through we were like let's just predict everything so it's going to be a rapid fire for ourselves statistical leaders statistical superlatives statistical uh just 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 trying to lock ourselves down on the numbers marking down the numbers of the 2022 Ohio State season offense defense um you know uh, how many receiving yards for Jackson Smith and Jigbo how many passing yards for cj stroud and then we will get through those other things i was talking about the tackle and sack leaders and things like that it's going to be um just all over the place
2: but i think it'll be good because it'll be like very easy to mark down then at the end of the year who was closest you know someone said travion henderson would have 1650 rushing yards someone said 1430 and someone said 1900 you know who's the closest Mm -hmm. but we're we're gonna say it we're going to say, I think C.J. Stroud's going to have 5,167 passing yards. And then Nathan will try to get the texters involved one way or the other. Maybe there's an over-unders that we can set, but we want to get a vibe of where fans are on this. And I just think this is fascinating because you try to look at it. there's enough There's enough seasons of a Ryan Day offense here to, to, I think, guide you a little bit. Even the, for instance, like... The stuff you were talking about, Stephen, like with the 60-20-20 breakdown of running mm-hmm. backs, like you kind of look how they did it before. You kind of look who's on the roster now. You try to envision things, and you've got to do a little bit of that so you're not just throwing darts at how many rushing yards someone's going to have. So I think we'll be able to make some pretty educated guesses. Doesn't mean they'll be right. It's fuck talk. <laughs> but but maybe maybe somebody who really zero in on a thing. But again, if if someone tells you I think Marvin Harrison's going to have 600 receiving yards, and someone else tells you I think he's going to have 1500, they're giving you a real sense of how they think the season's going. So I'm really looking forward to that. That'll be the Monday pod. We get more people again next week. Monday we'll watch practice. I think we get Ryan Day and Kevin Wilson on Monday. We get defensive linemen next week. We get quarterbacks next week. So don't miss a Buckeye talk because there's a lot happening. There's a lot happening. And we hope you guys are enjoying the ride with us. We're not on the bus anymore, but we're still all together. 614-350-3315. Read the stuff. I mean, if you listen, I think you would find value in what we write, cleveland.com slash OSU. And I have noticed a couple nice reviews on Apple podcasts. We certainly appreciate those. We welcome all the feedback and we just uh, are really appreciative that you guys make Buckeye Talk one of your places where you can enjoy Ohio State football. For Stephen Means and Nathan Baird, I'm Doug Le Maurice, and that was Buckeye Talk.